of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast hosted by Sports Ethos. Still, I am your host, Rhett Bauer, coming back from the dead, more or less. Uh, It's been way too long, and uh, life is crazy, still is crazy, but I decided to just get on here and talk for a little while because I finally updated my dynasty rankings and wanted to talk to you guys about it. Before we get started, though, Please make sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. I know it's been a while, but I think it would be helpful for me to know whether on the reviews or on Twitter at red underscore Bauer, what you guys prefer this format to look like. If you want it to be stats heavy, I can do that. If you want it to just be more of a dialogue about certain guys that people send in throughout the week or something like that, I can do that as well. So please just let me know what you guys are interested in, and I will make sure to deliver that. I have a schedule planned out to be recording every two weeks for the remainder of the year, the calendar year, assuming nothing else pops up like another, 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 another kid. Um, but we we should be handled there. So Dynasty rankings. Uh, There's been a lot of people around the Dynasty fantasy basketball space who have updated their rankings, and there's some really good stuff out there. Um, Hopefully mine stand out a little bit because I was very diligent to not look at anybody's Dynasty ranking updates. It was always a bummer to be like, hey, so-and-so updated their rankings, and I'll retweet it, I'll like it, I'll interact with the person, but I wouldn't look at it even though I really wanted to. So we will start with players who had the biggest jumps in my rankings. And it's it's been a while, but you know, I had to get right back into starting with an Indiana Pacer because Aaron Neesmith jumped up 96 spots for me into about the top 150. And his fantasy game has been pretty lacking this year, but the opportunity is there. And he's a guy, when I watch him, he probably shouldn't, be a starter on a great team he can be the three on a good team as long as the four is a bit better than you know like starting with buddy Hield or andrew nimhard or uh you know benedict matherin and pushing neesmith to the four so i think the the lineup construction has really pushed neesmith to a position where he's not as comfortable and if you look at his career he is just now starting to play NBA basketball. Like he was buried in Boston forever and sure he didn't hit shots, but everybody knows that it's just a matter of getting consistent reps, getting the confidence to go out there. And he just does a lot of things that contribute to winning basketball. So 150, 158 for me might be a little bit higher than where he ends up after this offseason, say the Pacers go out and they draft a wing in the in the first round early and then they make a another transaction to get a wing that could mix Neesmith's opportunity up. But the way the Pacers wing rotation is right now, they just don't really have any. And Neesmith is a guy who keeps growing. He's grown a lot this year. So it's exciting. Um to see how much he's grown and I am excited to move him up into the top 150 or so right next to him. I actually have Dante DiVincenzo who moved up 75 spots. This is a little bit lower than what I think people are expecting. And maybe I should move him up a little bit because his 
steals, threes, and free throw percentage are obviously extremely valuable. And he does get some sneaky assists, which is really great. And he's only 26. He has a player option, so he can decide whether he wants to go back to Golden State right next to GP2 and that whole mix, or he can decide he wants to go somewhere else because he is playing pretty well. So his destination and maybe his playoff run might bump him up the rankings a little bit, but we will see. Mark Williams jumped up 60 spots for me. I was a little bit lower on Mark Williams because I feel like Charlotte is just a disaster and they finally traded Plumlee. So now we get to see Mark Williams actually contribute to the degree that he should have been contributing all year because that team was obviously going nowhere. And I get you have to have accountability with your young players, but like just play them like you, they're only going to grow by playing them. And so that's been quite frustrating, but I actually jumped him up into my top 70 because he's a big that has elite, elite field goal percentage, but he doesn't kill your free throw percentage. And we know how valuable those guys can be. And at the moment, there is not another big on the roster for the Hornets. That scares me at all. I know Nick Richards was a popular guy early in the season when he was playing really well, but I'm just Kai Jones, JT Thor. I'm not worried about any of them. The only thing that will change Mark Williams is ranking as like a top 75 staple moving forward is if they get Wimbanyama and even he should probably be playing at the four. So I am not worried about Mark Williams at all. 21 years old can pass the ball a little bit. I'm, I'm excited to see what he looks like playing next to LaMelo for the last 20 games of the season or so. Then we got a couple guys who moved up about 50 spots. Josh Green, which I'm actually proud of because I had Josh Green inside my top 200 like early this year, early, because I just liked what he did. I, his field goal percentage was good. He comes from a great college program where they just churn out basketball players who can play and impact the game in a variety of ways. So I actually have him all the way up to 132. And the Kyrie trade is a big piece of that because the Dallas Mavericks gave up a lot of their wing depth. And now Josh Green came to the front, but then for some reason was uh, put on the bench so that Justin Holiday could start. So uh, maybe Jason Kidd is sending a message there. Maybe they're just being funky with the rotation. I don't know, but I like Josh Green, 22 years old. Uh, excited to see what he does with some bigger opportunity in Dallas, even though obviously everything is going to revolve around Kyrie and Luca. But, I, you know, the, the the plan there is to get the ball out of their hands and then let somebody else make a play. And Josh Green's actually capable of that, which is pretty sweet. So moving on is a guy that I am I don't want to admit that I was wrong on, but I will. Walker Kessler, the dude's been incredible as a big man, just blocking so many shots, getting so many boards. Like he's just, he looks a lot better than I thought he would heading into the year. You guys will remember that I was very low on him. I think I had him outside of my lottery as a fantasy prospect, not because he wouldn't be a good permanent player, but I just didn't think he would be a good fantasy, like a real life player to translate that into fantasy relevance. And it looks like I was wrong so far. Uh, So he is actually at 75 for me. Um, I think his his value is going to be a lot higher in nine cat than what it actually should be because he is going to be elite in a couple things, not have any turnovers, and that's going to be enough to float him into like top thirty, top forty. You know, and we know that if you look at eight cat, nine cat, 
together that kind of gives you a better picture of what somebody actually contributes. And I think that's where a guy like Walker Kessler drops back for me compared to a guy like Mark Williams, who I think has a bit more of a ceiling to his game as a guy for stuff who doesn't kill your free throw percentage, but then also like a little bit of an assist game. Um, and it just, we'll just see. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how Walker Kessler plays the rest of the year. He gets more and more opportunity. And then obviously the off season is going to be huge for the jazz. Next up, another big, like I said, Nas Reed. I love Nas Reed. He's good. I don't understand why the, Timberwolves brought in Rudy Gobert to further push back Nas Reed. And then I don't know, but Nas Reed is a unrestricted free agent this summer. I would imagine that he actually moves up quite a bit further than the 206 that I have him ranked at right now, just because he's going to go somewhere where he gets opportunity. And he's a big, who does a lot of things, 23 and a half years old. It, this is a guy that I, I'm trying to acquire just about everywhere just because his opportunity could skyrocket here in the next couple months, assuming he changed his teams. A guy, another guy that I wasn't out on, and I'm very glad to see him in a new situation was Matisse Thibel. We know how elite his steals and blocks are and how very little he contributes everywhere else, but he's just so good defensively. It's always been hard to look at him and be like, yeah, here just going to play 15 minutes a game. And I know his offense is a struggle, but for fantasy, at least I'm good with that. I am absolutely, absolutely good with that. So I'm excited to see him in Portland, even if the deal to get him there was weird and everything surrounding Portland is weird because they're winning, but they're also selling or they want to win. They're not actually winning, Uh, but Dame's loyal and that's all that matters, I guess. So uh, a guy I I'm, I'm not sure about him. Malachi Branham. So he's playing exceptionally well right now. He's been playing very well for a while and he's not even 20 years old yet, but there's so many guys out for the Spurs and you guys know how I feel about players who rely on volume, who aren't actually good and don't do much other than score. Like what are the chances that they keep doing what they've been asked to do over a short time period where people get extremely excited about them? A guy like Branham, he's taking so many shots, it seems like. Vassell is out. Kellen Johnson's been missing time. Jeremy Sohan has been missing time. Trey Jones has been missing time. The Spurs have lost 15 games in a row, and they are trying very, very hard to make their pick as good as possible, and they are succeeding excellently. I know Branham is a guy who some people like. He has a bit, he, he can get some assists as well, but he creates shots in such an unconventional way. He reminds me of DeMar DeRozan, but with like a third of the athleticism. And that's just a player I have a really, really hard time investing in, but he is showing he can score pretty efficiently. He can get a little, a little assists, you know, he can get some boards, get some threes. Like he's, he does have a fantasy friendly game as long as you aren't completely relying on your steals and blocks to win you a couple categories. So I did bump Malachi Branham up to 150. I can see that going down, um, you know, as soon as the draft is over, if the Spurs end up getting some legit, wings or a legit guard that plays alongside Vassell and Keldon Johnson and then Branham's relegated to what, like a six man role where he plays 23 minutes a game. I don't know. So I don't see him as a long-term starter, but Hey, what do I know? Uh, Another guy, Jalen Williams. I love J-Dub. He is so good. 
And his fantasy game has just been absolutely fantastic this year. He is a guy who just fills up the box score without even really trying. And his steals have been insane lately. So I actually moved him up 37 spots to 60th. I have him as my 60th ranked player in my dynasty rankings. And that could honestly be selling him a little bit short because of how far ahead of the curve he seems to be relative to expectations. And he just, he's just good. He's just really good. And it's absolutely fascinating to see how far he rose up the draft boards on like through the pre-draft process. And now he continues to climb up dynasty rankings. And I would not be surprised at all if we saw like a Gordon Hayward type career for Jalen Williams, but without all the freak injuries. So that's a, that is an elite dynasty asset, almost 22 years old. So not, not old by any stretch. Um, I'm just really excited about him in OKC because he is the type of player that, is just going to thrive playing with a guy like SGA and Giddy, who just finds the right spots to punish the defense, can handle the ball a little bit, backup point guard if needed, you can shoot, defend everywhere. So just really, really excited about him. Uh, a couple more. Laurie Markinen, obviously a massive jump just because he his efficient scoring is unbelievable. Um, I would actually be trying to sell him a little bit. He, he just doesn't – it's efficient scoring – 0.7 blocks, 0.7 steals, 1.2 assists despite playing as much as he does with as much usage and as much ball handling and shot creation responsibility that he has, which is just weird. But what are the chances that Laurie Markkinen actually gets this big of a role in the offense? When I watch the Jazz games, it doesn't look like he's being force-fed. It doesn't look like he is taking a huge chunk of the responsibility. But there's just... I don't know. There's just something about it that feels a little bit questionable, but efficient scoring at his volume is incredible above average boards, incredible threes. So he just doesn't hurt you anywhere. Low turnovers, even if he does have low assists. So he's just the guy that's going to grade out very well in fantasy teams moving forward. Another guy, Markel Fultz, you guys know I've been on him forever. He is inside my top 80, which might actually be low, but there is still the injury risk. There is still the Scoot Henderson risk. There is still, you know, there are question marks, but man, they've been the seventh best team in the league since Marco Fultz has been playing. And they were the worst team in the league when in the 25 games that he wasn't. They were five and 20 before he got in the lineup. And I think since then, they're 21 and 17, something like that. Good for seventh or eighth best record in the league. You know, I, you know, I love him. So uh, moving down, Precious Chua, I had him bumped up a lot, thinking that Jakob Pertle wasn't actually going to be as excellent as he has been. And I might be wrong about Pertle. I had him as a sell after the deadline just because I don't think traditional bigs like that are going to thrive in Toronto, but it seems like what Pirtle brings is exactly what Toronto needed. So I might be wrong on that, but we will see. Precious just does a lot of stuff and it seems like Toronto really likes him and the Miami Heat picked him. So if if I can get a guy from those two developmental, you know, pathways, like I I will invest in that player every single time. And last but certainly not least, two guys that I am extremely excited about it's Trey Murphy and Jeremy Sohan because both of them are guys that fit the prototypical player that I enjoy in that they they do a bit of everything on both ends of the floor Sohan can't shoot and Trey Murphy 
it shoots the leather off the ball. It's pretty insane. So both of them are actually around 85 in my dynasty rankings. And again, that might be selling them short, but both of their situations are pretty up in the air. Sohan with a team in the Spurs getting who the heck knows what their team is going to look like and what his role is going to be because he kind of, even with the strides he's made as a free throw shooter, shooting one-handed, which is absolutely fantastic. His role as like a point forward. I don't know how sustainable. I don't, I just don't know what that's going to look like on a good team. And the Spurs are a ways away from being good, but you still kind of have to project for that bank against some improvements. That's why he is where he is. And he has a great fantasy game, but it's still going to be interesting to see what the Spurs do because they've got a lot of options. And then Trey Murphy, he should be playing 33 minutes a night. I'm so, like, there's no reason he should be playing as little as he is. He's, he's shooting almost 50, 40, 90. He, he can get 1.3 steals in 34 minutes a game. He can get 0.8 blocks. He has a statistical profile that is almost identical to OG Ananobi before his scoring breakout and nearly identical to Jaden McDaniels right now. He's just playing fewer minutes and he is a better shooter than both of those guys. So, and you saw him in the dunk contest. You saw that like that, that was legit. He's, he's out there. He can actually got some hops. Like he, he's a great defender. Great dude. I am excited to see him in new Orleans. I just wish we could see more of him in new Orleans. And there, there's a bunch of other guys that moved up 25, 30 spots, but I don't want to, spend too much time on the risers when we have some serious, serious fallers to get to. And the, the biggest fallers are kind of are in the same group where it's, Hey, players that are really, really hurt or in really, really bad situations. And that includes Lonzo ball, John wall, Russell Westbrook, Rashawn Holmes, uh, Jalen Smith, Ben Simmons. And a lot of those guys, I love Lonzo. I love Simmons. I've, I have had them on rosters for years and Lonzo's situation is just terrifying, man. Like there's people who were, I don't remember who it was talking with Zach Lowe, but he used to be on the Lakers beat and he remembers talking to Lonzo or talking to somebody around the team. And the dude was getting PRP injections in his knee at 21 years old. That is not normal. That is not good. And the Bulls medical staff has a history of being, like insane. I know, uh, I think it was Luel Deng, like almost died because of a surgery, a staff, an infection or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. So don't quote me on that. But the stories are out there of the Bulls medical staff being questionable at best. And doctors are saying they've never seen an injury like this before. And he is like a year past when he was supposed to be recovered and is still feeling pain, like barely running. And that's just, that's just incredibly concerning for a guy. He is only 25. I did just take a flyer on him. I traded a 2024 first round pick from a team that has uh, it's, it's my team. I've got Jimmy Kyrie, Jamal Murray, Vassell, Nurkic, Brooke Lopez. Um, it's a, it's a pretty good team. It should be at the very worst. If Kyrie goes MIA, Jimmy gets hurt at the very worst. It's probably going to be like, the 20th overall pick. So if it's a situation like that, I'm still trying to buy Alonzo because he is 25 years old. And the fantasy game is just too elite to pass up on, but man, it's 
I also wouldn't blame you if you just cut bait and got something good. He is dropped 60 spots down to 125. And that is, that's purely because of how good his fantasy game is. I would not argue with you if you had him much, much lower than that, because you just simply do not believe that he will be healthy. And I can't really argue that. John Wall gone down 170 spots because he's not on a team right now. And he wasn't very good with the Clippers, extremely inefficient. We know how uh, scarce assists are, but there's a lot of downsides that come with that. And then Russell Westbrook, he looks pretty darn good in a Clippers uniform, um, but you have to drop him down, right? Like I, I dropped him down to 204. He's just so detrimental in nine cat that even if he does have some good counting stats, his turnovers, his percentages are just going to be atrocious. And I just don't know how you can have him as a premier dynasty asset moving forward. Rashawn Holmes, another big, I don't understand why he's still in Sacramento. It's so sad. He was so good for a while. I had to drop him 50 spots. He's almost outside my top 300 right now. And I mean, he, he's, he's so good of a fantasy player, but he just dropped off the face of the earth. And that's just, that's just a bummer because it was pretty awesome seeing him come up the way that he did from nothing from a G league, I think uh, undrafted and, and establish himself as a legit starter and then get replaced by Demontis Sabonis, rightfully so. Ah, another group of bigs. And you guys should have, you guys have probably already know this is coming, but Bull Bull and Alexi Pokushevsky, I dropped them 40 spots each to 171 and 172, respectively. It's just not, you guys know how I feel about them. Bull Bull, I would have been selling every single possible second that I could. Uh, and I, there were plenty of people buying, which is just staggering to me. I don't really get it. And then Poku, sure, he was good, but come on. The Thunder are good. They're legitimately good. And how long are they going to keep messing around with someone like that? And maybe messing around is diminishing. I don't know. I don't mean it like that. But Poku on the year is at 144 in 22 minutes a game, almost purely due to 1.3 blocks. <laughs> and is 21 minutes a game sustainable for Poku? Maybe, but are we really like, are we that dead set on Poku's fantasy upside that we're going to continue to have him as a top 125 dynasty asset? I just don't, I don't think that that's a good idea for anybody. So I would be selling if anybody still believed they were buying low um, rather than just getting in where he might be moving forward. Jalen Smith. I had such high hopes for Jalen Smith. He looked so good to close out the year last year, but the Pacers uh, renegotiated and extended miles Turner. So Jalen Smith has, uh, has been pretty, pretty bad. He's stacked up as many DMP CDs in the last couple of weeks than he has games played. And even in the games that he's played, I, I he's been not good, but also hasn't been playing a lot. And that is just not what you're looking for, for a guy. So I dropped him 38 spots to 185. There is still a fantasy friendly game there, but it just, he just hasn't been good. Like the Pacers are an okay team and he has not been good as the starting four, as the backup four, or as the backup five. And uh, his contract is low, so maybe there's a team that takes a flyer on him. I don't know. I would expect the Pacers to try and shop him this summer, even though his value is low. They just need to do a lot of things to clear up the rotation. 
And then Ben Simmons, man, what in the world? Like, I, I it is just baffling to me that he's taking 5.6 shots a game. That's PJ Tucker levels. Like I, I, I don't, and everything else looks pretty okay. You know, like it's, it's six rebounds, six assists, 1.3 steals and 0.5 blocks and 56% from the field. Like, oh, sweet. 6.9 points and Jacques Vaughn can't even play him. Like, golly. That's, that's just something else. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but he had to drop down. So he's just at 100 because I can't quite put him outside my top 100, but it's got to be, he's, he's getting close because it is dangerous. He still has a stat set that is helpful in some builds. Um, I have him in a lot of places and I had high hopes for him this year. Maybe he gets back to it. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, it is not, not great, Bob. Um, a couple more guys before we close out here. I got Keldon Johnson dropping 40 spots. He's just not a good fantasy player. He, that's just straight up. He's just not a good fantasy player. He has a lot of responsibility right now. He's not really playing that much at this point because they're, you know, the Spurs are doing what they're doing. He's got 28% usage this year, 33 minutes a game, 22 points a game, two threes, five boards, three assists, 0.7 steals, and he's 157th in nine cat. He's just not, he's just not, he's just not doing that. Like he's just not going to do that on a good team. And I don't, I I don't see how anybody can invest in him as like a legitimate dynasty asset. And you can say that 134 is low, maybe, but he doesn't get steals. He doesn't get blocks. He's not efficient and he's volume driven right now and still outside the top 150. So what are we doing? (laughs) Um, A couple more guys here, just real quick. Isaiah Hartenstein, Isaiah Jackson, both guys who are backups, who have great fantasy games, but just don't seem to be highly like their teams aren't highly motivated to maximize them. And that's a huge, huge bummer. Um, Cause I think everybody had high expectations for both of these guys and it just hasn't really played out that way. Um, which, you know, sometimes that happens. It's a, it's a backup big. And that's why I'm always wary of investing a lot in guys like Hartenstein not as much with Isaiah Jackson because he's still 21 years old. He just turned 21. So the, the upside is there. The potential is there. The He's still kind of a moldable ball of clay. It's just whether or not the Pacers are interested in dealing with that, if they're actually interested in turning him into what he can be or if they are fully so focused on trying to be good next year, which is very possible. Um and it'll it'll be interesting to see if he is included in some sort of win now trade at the draft or uh, during free agency, stuff like that. Two more guys real quick. I know I keep saying that, but two guys I wanted to hit on Zion Williamson. I do not trust him to stay healthy. I just traded for him in a league and I within 24 ish, 48 hours, I had flipped him because I do not trust him to stay healthy. It was an asset play in both cases. I'm very happy with both deals. If you're interested in what they are, you can find them on Twitter, uh, either at my account or at punt intended pod. Um, I just, you can't rely on him to be healthy. If you're in shallow leagues, like 12 team leagues, sure. Take the, take the flyer, but in a 30 team league where he's going to be one of your top two players, 
just can't do it. And the same's kind of the situation with Jimmy Butler. I dropped him back nine spots to 67. So he could join that uh, LeBron, you know, Kawhi tier of player who is just so elite per game, but is so unreliable when it comes to games played and minutes played and just the inconsistency of knowing when they're going to play and when they're going to get nicked up and miss two weeks is, is kind of frustrating even with the elite per game upside. So it just depends on if you have a pretty safe team of like McCall bridges who just plays a bunch of games, then sure you can take a flyer. You can, you can go out and stretch for Jimmy Butler to get that per game upside, knowing you have a backbone of legitimate, consistent availability, but it's, it's it's going to be a sharp decline, I feel like, for Jimmy, and he's 33 and a half, so we'll see what happens there. But um, that is some of the guys that I wanted to talk about. It's obviously not everybody. If you want to see my Dynasty rankings, please go check them out over at Sports Ethos. I have a couple things coming out here soon. Obviously, the Dynasty rankings with the updated blurbs for like 350 players will be out here soon. You guys are getting the sneak preview of some guys that I wanted to talk about before the rankings are actually posted. So uh, hopefully that keeps you coming back, assuming that the episodes are there. Uh, It's probably your retort, but they will be. So we'll we'll be good there. Uh, I've got another piece looking back at the trade deadline candidates that I called out before the trade deadline. And we're going to see whether it was good process, good results, good process, bad result, whether I was just flat out wrong. I did that last year and I I really enjoy uh, the accountability that comes with something like that just so I can learn from it, we can learn from it, and we can just sort of look at that and analyze it together. So again, please let me know what you want this to be. If you want more stats-based, more into like trends up and down. I can do that. If you like this sort of rapid fire touching on a lot of guys, cause there are a lot of guys, especially for these deeper leagues that I find myself joining more and more of, um, just let me know. I'm, I'm more than happy to cater this to whatever you guys want. Thank you guys once again for tuning in. We will catch you again next week.